Hello, friends, Romans, countrymen. I welcome you back to another edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast here in the midst of not only the Arctic blast in Colorado, but also the Winter Olympics in South Korea. I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. And you can find him on Twitter at Denver 7 Traffic. I'm Joseph Peters, the pedestrian advocate. I'm Joseph Denver 7 on Twitter. It is cold outside. Yes, it most certainly is. Cold enough for curling down Broadway. <laughs> is that a thing? It could. Well, I, I think it should be a thing. Because I, 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 I am a huge fan of the Olympics. I love curling. When I was growing up in Detroit for a year or so, I think we had, uh, I went to the Detroit Curling Club. So I tried out curling and I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, okay. It was pretty fun. Uh, but it, it, here's the reason I like curling. Because it gives a chance for old fat guys like me a, a, a time to get into the Olympics. Honestly, it does. I mean, I, I, my, my time has passed, though, uh, of being a ski jumper. I thought I could be a ski jumper. Uh, I, I have way too much to live for. I'd be willing to try the skeleton, though. Skeleton looks like fun. Even now, I'd still be willing to try the skeleton. Probably couldn't go 90 like those guys are doing, but I could probably go pretty quick. I mean, I think when you watch the skeleton on TV, it just looks like a big old water slide, except it's ice instead yes. of water. So. That's why I think I could do well at the luge as well. Yes. That guy you know, with a lot of momentum going down the ice. As many people have pointed out, the problem with luge is that you're not looking where you're going. Whereas with the skeleton, you can see everything in front of you. Right. Well, I think it kind of see if you if you tip your your nose up a little bit with the mm. with the whole luge thing. I what I can't do is the biathlon. I definitely cannot do that. No, too much cross country skiing. Yeah, way too much. I could probably do the shooting part, mm-hmm. um, but not the not the skiing part. I mean, I could do it. It would just take me four hours for what these guys are doing in sixteen minutes. Well, we skated past the most important question, which is when you were curling, were you a thrower or a broomer? You you both. You, okay. you have to do both. Do you have to do both in the Olympics, though? I feel like yes. once you get to that level, you're specialized. No, 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 no. You you do both. Okay. Yes, you have some that are because it, let's say the you have the team where you have the four of them together. You get two stones, and then you also uh, sweep for your teammates when they're throwing their stones. So that's so so you're doing both. So what if I'm the most accurate thrower on the planet? You only get two, but I can't sweep anything. You get two. Okay. But that's why you maybe would go for the doubles or mixed doubles where you get a few more stones. That you could uh, that you could toss. Fantastic. Yes, stuff. you know, speed skating. By the way, too, would be way too much work. Yes, that and that crazy thing where they're doing this. They're going up and down. They have like four either skiers or snowboarders. That's the best event. Is it snowboard? What is Snow- it? It's like snowboard cross. Is it, I think okay, is the name whatever of it? that is. That, that is that is insane. It's Truly insane. The smartest thing they ever did was put that in the Olympics, though, because that's what everybody imagines a skiing race should look like, is four people zooming down a mountain as fast as they can, and you almost never get that in skiing. It's like skiing roller derby. Yes. It's it's just nuts. All right, so here are my two favorite transportation stories of the week, Joseph. Both have to deal with people being disgusting on airplanes. Our favorite topic. Passengers on a flight to Moscow from Turkey were shocked as a woman took out a pair of her panties and proceeded to dry them using the air vent above her head. I have the video on my Facebook page, Jason Luber Traffic Guy, if you want to take a look. The story doesn't say if they were on her before the drying commenced or they were in her bag before the drying commenced. The drying went on for about 20 minutes. It was recorded by nearby passengers, but she ignored their uh, jeers and continued drying her panties. Well. Yes. (laughs) And a flight from Dubai to Amsterdam had to make an emergency landing in Vienna 
after a fight broke out because of one of the passengers wouldn't stop breaking wind. Two men sitting uh, apparently next to the very flatulent man raised a stink about his repeated gas attacks and complained to the airline crew, who apparently did nothing. Instead, the captain issued a warning to the two complainants, accusing them of being noisy and having aggressive behavior and making threats because the guy was so gassy. And when the alleged perpetrator didn't stop, his disgusted seatmate started a fight on the plane. (laughs) The pilots had to make an emergency stop in Vienna, removed the complainants, not the guy who was uh, tooting on the plane. The two women sitting in the same row as the angry men were also forced off the plane as well. I think the world has just lost all its decorum. Can we blame President Trump for this? You can blame him for everything, I suppose. <laughs> but that, I mean, it's, I've said usually it's kids or babies. Sometimes it's my kids that are tooting on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you and and it's you're in the small cabin. Smells don't really, I, I guess, dissipate easily. What bothers me the most is, this, is that this gentleman was awake in doing it. Like, if you're sleeping, fine, whatever, it happens. But if you're awake and oh, you're yeah. cognizant, like, go to the bathroom, bro. Exactly. He should have gotten up and just, don't, you know, got the business done mm-hmm. and then come back. But maybe he, maybe it was a bumpy uh, time of the flight and the seatbelt sign was on. Maybe the seatbelt sign was on. And he couldn't get up and out. Terrible. So he was letting him. So how bad was his tummy that he had to let him go, knowing that he was about to get beaten up? Is the is there an answer for that? Jason? No, I don't think there is. And then the girl with the panties—that's that—that's a whole another different kind of level of ugliness. I mean, you just have to ask why? Why? That seems completely unnecessary. Well, I could see. I, I applaud her for her use of well, double tasking. Flying and drying at the same time. However, she, she could have better spent that time reading something on her iPad. But I also want to know why were her panties wet? Mm. If they weren't off, I mean, if they were off, mm. if they're, you know, anyway. The age old question. Uh, in the news of the utter ridiculous, a driver in the UK got a 70 British pound parking fine because his parking permit was hidden under snow that was on his windshield. Unfortunately for Oliver Claxton from Chester Green Derby. He was in London for the day when it started snowing back home, and since the snow obstructed the parking officer's view of seeing the permit, Oliver was given a ticket. Oliver told the BBC that he just laughed. He said it was ridiculous. He added that if the parking officer had just swept the snow away, he would have seen the permit on the windshield. I guess he was utterly irresponsible because he didn't put heaters underneath his parking permit or pay someone to keep the snow clear from his windshield, or maybe... Didn't use his magical powers to keep the snow from falling on his car. You had so many choices, Oliver. Couldn't so do many. any of them. And you didn't do any of them. And now you are out 70 British pounds. And there's nothing great about a train that's delayed, right? No, I Lon- don't think so. L- nothing good about it. London's commuters know all too well how frustrating it is to spend time waiting for a train. So considering the extraordinary prices they pay and all the strikes by the workers that operate the trains... And increases in fares, there might be finally one good thing about train delays in Britain. Gordon's Gin has launched a service that can reward delayed rail passengers with either a half price or a free gin and tonic. (laughs) Everywhere? Across Britain? No, just at the train station. Okay, okay. So the service called hashtag yay delay uses an intelligent algorithm 
to monitor real-time train delays. And anyone wanting to tweet out their frustrations at the delay can do so with the hashtag YayDelay in order to unlock their half price or their free drink. The service started in the beginning of February at the Waterloo Station, one of London's most delayed train stations. So there you go. Get delayed, get on the train, get drunk at the station. It's great. I feel like this is a big bet on the trains to never be late so that this company doesn't have to pay out millions of free drinks every single year. Uh, yeah, it does seem it, like it could be a very expensive promotion. I mean, like, what about, uh, we run stories all the time about the A-line being delayed for 20 to 30 minutes. In those cases, do you get to celebrate the delay with a gin and tonic here in Denver? You would hope so, but they, Gordon's Gin is uh, a London-based product. So it makes sense that the gin company is paying for it, right? Because yes. if the bus system had to pay for it or the train system had right. to pay for it. No, it's the gin people that are yep. giving out the free drinks. So if we had Coors... Uh, giving out free beers to train-delayed victims. You are a visionary. Oh, I am. You should call Coors right now. Hello, Pete. We get to break. Mr. C- Mr. Coors, Mr. Pete Coors, could you pick up line number three? Have I got an idea for you? Uh, it, it seems uh, well, I don't really like gin. Do you like gin? Well, gin and tonic just taste like pine needles. So Yeah, it seems like it would be a better uh, deal for me if it was a whiskey. Yes. Or a beer, something like that. Um, I'll be traveling by train in a few weeks up to Glenwood Springs on the Amtrak. Oh. It'll be my second time on Amtrak. The first one was for my grandfather's funeral years and years ago. It was the easiest and quickest way for me to get from here back to Detroit. So I jumped on the train, went to Chicago, got another train from there, and it looped around to Detroit. Amtrak is cool. I took an Amtrak from Savannah to Orlando, and I thought it was a very uh, relaxing tr- journey. Um, have you taken the RTD trains recently? Uh, no, I have not. Take a, take a tour sometime, my friend. It's a beautiful city when experienced by train. Well, I, I have taken them in the past, just not lately. Mm. Not in a long time. My girls actually like it because it's the train effect. Yep. They think it's cool to be on the train. So, yeah, I have family coming out. My um, brother's widow and his, and his two kids are coming out. Uh, from Florida, and so they wanted to go skiing. So instead of just having them stay at the house and driving up to Loveland and back a couple of days, they really wanted to experience snow. So that's why I said, well, maybe we could just go up to Glenwood Springs for a few days, and you could you know, be around the snow all the time, be in the mountains. You really get to experience it more that way. Um, but instead of driving for three hours, because she's used to driving in Florida, flat, Warm, that whole thing. Right. Uh, I, all I all all I would need is to have some kind of epic spring snowstorm that would, or even just a light bit of snow, and she'd freak out. She wouldn't be able to drive in that, and and I'm not going to want to drive two different cars going up there anyway. So, no, you're making the right decision, man. The train effect will really wow her family. Yes. I think. So they're flying in, staying downtown one night. Uh, the next day we get on the train up to Glenwood Springs, and then we stay there for a few days, and then. Come on back again via the train. That's the best way to experience Colorado is to make sure you cover every single inch of it. Yeah. That way we're also not all staying in my house for half of the time (laughs) they're here. So I get complaints all the time, nearly a dozen or so every week, to the Driving You Crazy mailbag or on my Facebook live broadcast every Friday about how frustrating it is when there's someone driving slow in the left lane. It happens all the time. Really, people hate Driving I mean, behind slow people in the left don't lane. Don't you hate driving yes. behind people in the left lane like yes, that? Yes, I do. It happened just last week, and it was so frustrating. And when they say slow, it usually means that these people are going like the speed limit, and everybody else wants to go a lot faster than the speed limit. Correct. 
I even know some people who intentionally drive the speed limit in the left lane to slow down the traffic uh, because what what they say to me is that there's, there's these people that, that are intentionally trying to slow down everybody else, and it's not really not their job. No, I think you call those people jerks. Well, yeah, you do. Uh, it, you're you're kind of a jerk because you're slowing not only everybody down, but also you're a lot more dangerous. We've talked about this. You're a lot more dangerous than, than if you were actually speeding and going faster than just about everybody else. Right. So I, I hear a lot of these complaints for drivers on I-70 heading west into the mountains. As you're going up the hill, there's a lot of folks that just want to get they, – they have a better car, better engine, whatever, and they and they can really get going on uh, up the hill and so stay over to the center of the right. I mean, it's not that hard. Anyway, if you're slamming on the gas all the way to get up the hill, then let them go. Just let them go. Just let them go. Well, more states are passing apparently these left-lane driving laws – and one of the latest to do it will be South Carolina. The legislator who is pushing this bill says slowpokes in the passing lane cause accidents and cause traffic backups when people have to brake suddenly, along with the frustration that can uh, result in road rage. So they're uh, basing their law on an Oklahoma law, which took effect at the beginning of the year. And in South Carolina, the fine would be $200 for cruising in the passing lane of a multi-lane highway at less than the normal speed of traffic. It's already a violation in South Carolina law, punishable by up to a $100 fine. However, they're increasing it to $200 and, and changing the language a little bit. Now, in Oklahoma, fines for traveling in the left lane are about $235. Good. In Colorado, the fine is a whopping $35. Are you kidding Yay, me? Colorado. What a deterrent. That's not even a fine. Who's going to get a fine for that? And don't let me forget, there's a $6.20 surcharge added on, bringing the total to $41.20. Yay, Colorado. That's a way to deter everybody from driving in the left lane. Oh, my goodness. That's the way to do it. The legislator in South Carolina says he's not sure if a higher fine would be a better deterrent, as there's not enough law enforcement officers to enforce that law anyway. But he hopes drivers get the message, don't drive slow in the left lane. What if, and I'm I'm just spitballing here, we just put up a trap in that left lane on I-70 and just take pictures of license plates of people going the speed limit and then ticket all of them or people driving too slow in that lane? Yes, that could work too. I, I mean, I prefer that and like a $200 fine as a deterrent to trusting our police officers to pull somebody over for that because that's never going to happen. No, why would a state trooper risk their life by pulling somebody over uh, if they're driving slow in the left lane, getting out of their car, knowing that other traffic is not going to pull over and get around them, and and give a guy a ticket that's going to end up giving the state $41.20. Can I tell you, if you put this to a vote of the people, this would win by like an 85 to 15% margin. Oh, yeah. The idea of like punishing these people who drive too slow in the left lane. And raising this fine from $35 to 350 or even $3,500. 3500 Yes. Do it, man. I think that would be a bigger deterrent, don't you? No more slow people in the left lane. I still consider the left lane the fast lane, and as a passing lane, I think most people still do that. And I found this quote from the Auto Insurance Center. They say, driving slow in the left lane is dumb and illegal. They go on to say... Why people drive slow in the left lane is one of the most vexing problems of the road since the invention of the automobile. Uh, it's a little harsh, but... Maybe the invention of the highway. Bit more dramatic than in my view of the situation, but we're all entitled to our own opinions. 
So Colorado passed that left lane law that took effect in 2004. Uh, it's supposed to keep traffic out of the left lane unless you're passing the law, mostly for rural or open spaces rather than cruising, cruising around, around the, the city of Denver here uh, or the interstate, let's say, in Colorado Springs. But like I said earlier, some drivers believe that if they're going the speed limit, they have the right to cruise in the left lane, but their left lane law brochure from the Colorado State Patrol it states it is the exclusive responsibility of law enforcement officers to initiate appropriate enforcement action. In other words, don't take the law in your own hands and let the patrol deal with it. Okay. Which they don't. Because the fine is $35. <laughs> you can't hit a quota with $35 fines. You certainly cannot. Uh, they're mostly worried about slow drivers in the left lane making drivers who want to go faster so torqued off that someone might road rage the, dr- the slow driver in, the, in that left lane. And I've seen people do that. They, they get right up on their tail or, or do other you know nasty things. Yep. Uh, mostly the one-finger salute, maybe the horn to express their displeasure. Uh, I I just go around. I just go around them and move about my day if I can. If I if I just easily just get over to the right, mm-hmm. go around them, get back over to the left lane if that's the way I'm going. But the problem with that is that you're you're at most risk when you're to getting in a crash when you're when you're changing lanes. Is that so? I did yes. not know that. That's when you're most at risk in getting into a crash. Interesting. So the penalty here, as we said, is $35. That's pretty puny compared to other states like Georgia, where the fine can be $1,000. Okay. That's a deterrent. There are five states with a $1,000 fine. It's the same amount in Chicago, where they have this law. But if the offender is caught multiple times, they could be charged with a misdemeanor and could actually spend some time in jail. Can we find the person who's picked up three of these misdemeanors <laughs> or whatever it takes huh? to land in jail? Indiana allows for fines up to $500, $300 fine up in New Jersey. So, Joseph, did you know there's a group of left lane advocates out there who encourages people to get out of the left lane? <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, they actually have a website. It's called leftlanedrivers.org. They say that left lane drivers of America invite you to do your part and take this positive step to improve traffic flow on today's overcrowded pressure packed pre- pressure packed that's easy for me to say pressure packed freeways and to help reduce instances of road rage hazardous driving and ultimately often deadly accidents so these are people who are advocates for going fast in the left lane right these are these are people that want you to stay out of the left lane unless you're going fast or you're passing they even have these windshield windshield decals that go all the way across your windshield uh, so that when the slow driver who's in the left lane sees it in the rear view mirror, they can read it. And one says, move over, and it has this arrow that, that points to the right. And the other decal says, slower traffic with that same arrow that, that points to the right lane. So you see it. It's it's like one of those ambulance signs in the front of the ambulance where you read it with your rear view mirror, and it looks like it's correct for you. Okay. And so you only really see it if somebody's coming up on you in the left lane, and you should be moving over. Exactly. I like it. Yep. Because this kind of... but. But this is the kind of behavior that's that's upsetting to the state patrol. They say the driver is trying to teach another driver a lesson can lead to an accident or aggressive driving or road rage. And these left lane slowpokes and tailgating are two of the top frustrating behaviors on the roads. That's what the state patrol says. Makes sense. And I had someone sending me an email saying slow drivers statistically cause more crashes. Well, that assertion isn't quite exactly correct. The real issue comes down to the variance in speed as the problem. 
So especially in a localized area, so if the majority of traffic is going 60 and one driver decides to go 80, then that driver's a problem. Conversely, if the majority of traffic is going 60 and another driver's going 35, well, then he's the problem. It really all comes down to good traffic flow. And if if steady and constant is the greatest way, then that's what we got to have, steady and constant, and it'll flow smooth and steady and constant. Well, and going 35 on the highway is a problem no matter how you slice it. I yes. mean, that's what it comes down to in my mind. Don't do that. And even going the speed limit when everybody wants to go 80 is the problem. Yep. So, I mean, it's a, to- it's a topic we talk about in other episodes. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the future. So... That left lane epidemic, it will be a probably a problem forever until we get the autonomous cars. I'm going to make billions off that idea to put slow driver cameras in the left lane yeah. of major highways. <laughs> be brilliant. Well, coming up, we have a great story of a kid who pretty much hijacked an airplane, not with guns or knives or anything like that, but with his voice. Oh. Uh, you'll hear that audio coming up as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I can feel so damn weak With just a drop of a dime She says I self-medicate When I've got too much on my mind Hey everybody, it's Eric Lufer with Denver 7, The Morning Show. Hey, watch us every morning, Monday through Friday. Because, you know, I'm on it. Now, if I wasn't on the team, I would watch Denver 7 for the Jason-Lisa bickering that they do every every morning. They're like brother-sister. I love it. It adds to the dynamic. We're just a great team, and it's people need to watch. Eric Lufer, only on Denver 7. People say, you get up at 2 in the morning to do this? Yeah, you must get used to that by now. No. We hate getting up at 2 in the morning. We hate being here at 3 a.m., except we like our jobs, and we like the people we're working with, and we have a lot of fun. We should probably sell tickets to the show during the commercial break. We couldn't air all that material, could we? But it's still a lot of fun, and we're just committed to making sure that, you know, you get your, you started off on your day correctly. So it's worth it to us to get in here before the sun even comes up to put it all together for you. Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I'd like to ask you, Joseph, Yes. if you have seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, but I'm pretty sure you're going to say no. <laughs> you know the answer to that question. The answer is no. No. Dumb and Dumber. I mean, it's a classic. Supposedly. It's a classic I didn't really enjoy, but it's a classic nonetheless. Lloyd Christmas, right? Dumb and Dumber. Well, the mini bike from that movie that you haven't seen, Dumb and Dumber, which Lloyd and Harry rode all the way up to Aspen was sold over the weekend on eBay for $50,000. Now, you don't need a $50,000 bike, especially one that's in miniature. No, and it's not you're not buying it because you're going to ride it. You're buying it because it was in the movie. Nerds. The owner says it was in good running order and the buyer can come pick it up in Texas. It was one of two used in the classic 94 comedy. It was gifted to Gordy Merrick. He was the movie's transportation coordinator. I think I could do that kind of job, a transportation coordinator for movies. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. 
He had it for about 20 years before the current owner acquired it. They didn't say how he acquired it, but then this guy sold it. And the other bike, there were two of them, so the other one was a gift to Planet Hollywood where it still rests now. Now, the guy who sold it says he's going to donate 10% to the Best Friends Animal Society there in Texas and use the rest to pay for his kid to go to college. So I guess that's noble, I suppose. It's something, that's for sure. I really did never like that movie. I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't see it, but I can tell you I wouldn't have liked it had I seen it. No, the, it's not high-minded humor enough, like Airplane or... Airplane. Blazing Saddles. There you go. Okay. Now, even though we're getting a few more bucks in our paycheck now, thanks to the tax reform passed late last year, who who couldn't stand to use a little bit more money, right? You tell me, Jason. Well, <laughs> we always say that if somebody had the magic elixir to solve the world's traffic problems, that person would probably earn all the money in the world. Well, the U.K. government is offering up to £20 million to any startup company that can solve the problem of the traffic jam. Okay. Best of 20, luck to you. 20 million pounds. Chancellor Philip Hammond, I would I would think he's honorable, uh, said in a statement, Britain is a world leader in digital innovation with some of the brightest and the best tech firms operating in his country. Working with us, they can provide technological fixes to public sector problems, boost productivity, and get the nation working smarter as we create an economy fit for the future. I don't know where in there he says, hey, let's give away a lot of money if someone can get rid of traffic. Uh, I heard lots of gobbledygook in there, but not a whole lot of specifics. So there you go. What are your great ideas for the British government to solve their traffic jam problems? Uh, I would install cameras in the left lane of major highways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking de- better dental hygiene, but that's just me. That works as well. All right, so when a person who doesn't have a kid gets on an airplane... One of their top fears is sitting next to a kid on the airplane. Amen. Right? No, I mean, you don't have kids yet. How no. would you feel about sitting next to a child on an airplane? I've sat next to enough children on an airplane. I'm good. I think what's worse is sitting next to old people or heavyset people. But children also Why bad. old people? They always want to talk, man. Like, young people have headphones in. They are not interested in having a conversation with you. They just want to get to the business of flying and get to their destination. But the older you are, the less likelier you are to have headphones in, and the more likely that you turn to me and say, Hi, my name's Clovis. How are you? Talking is a problem to Clovis? I do not want to have a conversation on an airplane. Am I I alone in that? I don't think I'm alone in that. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I guess I I don't. There's other times where I enjoy the company of others because you get to learn about somebody else. And I guess that's part of the reporter in me that that I'm learning about somebody else and their situation and their point of view in life. This needs to be the first official driving you crazy poll. Do you want to talk on an airplane? Maybe I'll put that on my Twitter page later on today. Maybe I'll put that out here in just a few minutes. All right, so... Even being near a baby, though, sometimes on a plane, it's a problem for some I mean, even just even in the general vicinity. Well, some parents don't even like flying with, with, with kids. I mean, like me, I have kids, but I don't mind. I, I, don't, I guess I don't mind flying as much as I did before I had kids with okay. kids now. But it's still not the greatest thing because I'm flying with somebody else's kids. Yes. I'm not flying with my own kids. And I, I say all of this because I want to tell you the story of a kid who terrorized a, Luf- a Tonza flight from Germany to New Jersey. And I don't say terrorized lightly. The young kid was climbing up on the seats, like with his butt on the top of the seat where you're supposed to, where your head goes, nope. right? Nope. Running up and down the aisle, screaming, 
being completely disrespectful to not only his parents, but also the passengers around him. And the most distressing for the other passengers was the demonic screaming. Oh. It was all captured on camera. Here's a small clip of some of the screaming by that child. Isn't that the worst? That is just the worst. It is just horrible. I, we never play happy sounds on this podcast. It's always children screaming or the sound of brakes screeching or something that just... I, I mean, that's nails on a chalkboard. I know. If There's there's almost nothing more terrorizing for a, for a parent is to hear that screaming yep. from a child because you think the child's in danger or, or is there something wrong and so you're trying to fix the child. For people who don't have kids, it is just one of the most, like you said, the most annoying sound you could probably ever hear. Have you, wh- I mean, when's the last time your child screamed like that? No, not really ever. It's, um, I, I, they, they don't, they don't do that sort of, they don't throw temper tantrums that way. I only remember one temper tantrum I threw like that. I was five and they were trying to give me eye drops, the eye doctor. And I was, I assume what this, this child was doing, running around screaming at the office and they had to hold me down to put these things in. Yeah. No, but this kid was on the plane and, th- and this was a long, long flight, and, and if passengers were hoping that that three-year-old would just run out of energy and eventually calm down, they were nope. sorely disappointed. The passenger who recorded the kid and posted the video on YouTube, you can look it up on YouTube, uh, the kid was was like that for the entirety of the eight-hour flight. It, it happened last summer, and, and it was still unclear why it's just coming to light now. It has millions of views, the video does, the six months later. The boy's mother attempted to soothe her son by asking the flight attendants to get the Wi-Fi going so they can get the iPad on, and then the kid would be then distracted. But that, it didn't matter. Because sometimes when you have a kid that's having a bit of a meltdown, once they're already past the meltdown, when they're already in it, it's hard to get them out yep. until you get them to go to sleep or you just completely j- distract them with something else that then they're really interested in. Okay. So one point, the kid sat on top of the seats. It was really disturbing to me to see the kid just... I, I don't even know how the how the parent would let the kid sit up there. You'd have to climb on somebody. To, even if you're standing on the armrest, he would then have to jump up and get his butt up on the top of the seat. Well, that's what he was doing. He was sitting up there. He's a little monkey. He, yes, com- completely. Um, he was hitting the ceiling of the plane when he was up there. Just slamming into it, which I would oh. think would would be a violation of something yes. that you wouldn't want the the flight attendants wouldn't want that to happen. Well, if he's four, I mean, how hard can he possibly hit the thing? I mean, the mom was asking him to sit down, but still he wouldn't. Other passengers could be seen covering their ears and try to drown out the rebellious screaming from the toddler. Well, so actually, this brings up an interesting question: if if like it wasn't a four year old, but let's say a heavyweight boxer was just punching an airplane. Would it actually do anything to affect the trajectory of the plane? Or no. can the plane just withstand that? It would withstand, well, like you're talking the outer shell? No, I think you'd be okay because it's all plastic pieces and then you have the the outer metal ring. Okay. And then you have an inner ring. So it's really a tube in a, it's a tube in a tube. Okay. So what, so let's take I mean, if you're punching the windows and maybe crack the windows out, you could have a problem. What if there was a full-on brawl in the aisle? Like, I'm talking body slams. Like a 300-pounder throws another 300-pounder to the ground. Oh, again, I think you'd be okay. You might dislodge maybe some of the over – because everything on an airplane goes in 
there, if you if you looked at the ground when you're walking in there, there's these grooves. Everything's basically on grooves, so you can take the whole seat, like the three seats that are together. They just slide all the seats. They just slide right out of the back of the airplane. Okay. Um, and then you, so you can use it as a cargo plane, or you can put seats in it. However, you want to do the configuration, similar to the overhead bins. They just slide, and they're basically on a track, and they slide in. And so all that stuff that's in there can be broken. And then maybe dislodge that sort of thing, but I don't think you're you're not going to go outside unless you have enough force, like you are the Igor or Evor or whatever his name was that that beat up Rocky uh, in yep. uh, what was it Rocky two Drago, or three? Right? Yeah, Drago. There you go. And what what was that Rocky two or three or? <laughs> No idea. I just but, know Drago. Okay, well, there you go, because he had the force of some kind of crazy force to punch, uh, and maybe you could punch a hole through the window, and then you obviously have a decompression problem. Yes, a um, decompression problem. Yes, that would be a big problem. <laughs> Gas masks coming down the whole nine yards. Well, when the plane finally arrived in New, uh, in, in New York, and I guess New Jersey at Newark, people uh, looked relieved that the ordeal was over. They were saying, what a nightmare. Oh, my God, eight hours of screaming. That's what one yeah. passenger <laughs> was heard commenting uh, as, get, as as they were taking their suitcase down the ramp. A Lufthansa spokesman told the DailyMail.com that most passengers were quite understanding of the situation at hand. Mm. Didn't look that way from the video. I don't buy that. Uh, they, they continued. They said, our crew worked around the clock to de-escalate the situation, tend to all passengers, and assist the mother. The video has attracted dozens of comments from appalled viewers to suggest that the boy had his parents should have been removed from the flight when they provide when they proved unable to control the child. That's that's what I think I would have suggested. Well, weren't they going from Germany to New Jersey though? I mean, right. you're not going to turn that thing around. No, 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 you're not going to turn it around. But let's say when because when the co- kids started screaming, they were still on the ground. They hadn't taken off yet, so maybe at that point. I see. Yeah, I think what was happening is that the. The flight attendants were thinking that, all right, let's get going. Maybe the kid will get worn out here after about 20 minutes, and then everybody will be fine. But the kid did not. <laughs> and maybe when they were up in the air at some point, if they're already over the ocean, there's there's probably no point going back. Well, but, you could just throw him out, him and his parents out of the plane. Sure. Then, that, you, then you might also have a decompression <laughs> problem. <laughs> um, this, I, I don't think this kind of behavior is really acceptable. So I, I pose this question to you as a father. How would you discipline this child who is screaming like a banshee Well, on that's the, the thing. My, my children don't do that because I've raised them from a point where that is not acceptable behavior. Um, and, and so that's where it comes. If the child, you have parents that either allow it to continue or have not fostered a relationship with the child, so they won't do that sort of behavior. My kids wouldn't, first of all, ever scream like that. They wouldn't be begging for the iPad, and if they don't get it, scream their heads off like that because I didn't raise them to just um, coddle them and, and, and placate them and say, all right, if you do this, I'll give you that. Well, I think we missed the obvious reason why this child was screaming. He had to go to New Jersey. Well, just... <laughs> Brilliant point. It's a brilliant, brilliant point. <laughs> Just didn't want to go back to New Jersey. That's hey, exactly right. Can't blame him. Now, while most sympathize with the poor passengers who were forced to sit through the youngster's eight-hour tantrum, some offer their sympathy, sympathy, sympathy to the parents. Their parents were also forced to endure it. People must think parents enjoy listening to their kids screaming. They don't. True. Uh, one person said, the poor parents, they probably let him do what he wants to stop the screaming and then kick off for five minutes. 
Ma, um, I know some parents that that let their kids all the time just stare at the phone, just to keep them either quiet or busy, so they can do something else. And, and that's they just don't so much do worse, it. right? But, yeah, it's it's obviously way worse. It's a lot more work to talk to your kids and to foster a environment that allows the kid to have a conversation with you. Well, I think so many millennials realize there's like this rubber band effect with it where we've seen what it looks like when these children are raised around that sort of technology or we're at least starting to see the effects of it and we don't think it's a very good thing. And now it's like, well, how do you limit the use of technology while still acknowledging technology exists in children? And that's like, that's the $20 million question. Yeah. Uh, We still, when we have our dinner around the table, we still talk and I ask the kids about their day and, and what they did at school. We all tell our stories and, and still doing that. Even if we're going out to dinner somewhere, it's, I I've had, uh, hosts and hostesses and, and, and the and the servers come up and say that they're stunned that our kids aren't just staring at a phone or an iPad or whatever, and they were all talking to each other mm-hmm. um, because that's the way I want to foster that relationship with my children. Well, and that's going to turn them into the adults that you want them to be. Yes, exactly right. It's, you know, my parents or my parents, my kids uh, ask me sometimes, my, my six-year-old asked me, Dad, is it, daddy, is it, is it hard being a daddy? I said, no, it's easy to be a daddy. It's hard to be a good father. Yep. Um, and there is a big difference there. And several comments that I was reading about this story suggested the solution, though, might be keeping passengers happy by creating a kid-free zone or put kids and families in the very back of the plane and that way you're separating the, let's say, the single passengers or passengers who maybe don't want to talk or don't want to hear the kids and then put the, all the families and the kids in the back of the plane. Because some travelers have long pushed for airlines to consider either child-free flights or at least child zones for a more per- peaceful journey for all involved because there are some people that just hate kids. Support this. I, I support it. I just think it's really hard logistically to pull off a flight that you book and you make sure that there are no children involved. Or that you stick them all in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, several of the big international airlines have been thinking about adult-only flights after a lot of their surveys reveal that three-quarters of the business class travelers found that youngsters on planes is irritating. Well, if they're business class, just charter a plane. Well, exactly. Or And, and those guys are, are usually time-constrained. They're working, so they're in the work mode. Because uh, they're trying to get from place to place or go wherever. but um, And so, of course, they're going to be annoyed by kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, I haven't heard of any airlines at all offering a service like that. Uh, Virgin Atlantic says that they have no plans to introduce service that would cater to adults or, or put the families in the back of the airplane. A former executive with Virgin Atlantic said that it would be a bad decision by any airline to ban kids. Because once you did, you'll start banning other types of travelers. And it would be a mistake. I mean, I guess. Like, I also think that there's a definite benefit to that. But going back to what, just charter a plane. Like, if it's that big of a problem for you and you can afford it, go get a pl- private plane. If you can't afford it, this is what you're stuck with. Like, there are g- families travel, period. Yeah. Like, they have to get from point A to point B. You can't discriminate against that. That's but ridiculous. But I also would never have taken a kid uh, that age. Uh, I have a nine and six year old. And I have never taken them on a flight longer than three and a half hours from here to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never go across the seas where you're going for a nine-hour flight. That's 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 one reason that we were talking about it as a family flying to Hawaii. Um, and there is a round-trip flight from 
Denver to Hawaii, but then I was also looking at maybe going to San Francisco or Seattle or you know somewhere along the the West Coast there, and then going the five hour flight from there over to Hawaii. Yeah. But that even that five hour flight is a long time for the kids to be on. On an airplane. Well, it's about six hours round trip from Vegas to Boston, and that's a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, it's not pleasant at all. I don't think anybody wants to be on the plane for that long. And I yeah. think, you know, people who have the money to afford that sort of travel, that's one of the questions they take into account when they're deciding where they want to go is how long is this flight going to be? Am I going to be stuck in the air for six hours? And especially for kids. Kids can't do anything for that long except no. maybe sleep. Um, and, and they get – you can only maybe watch one – I I do bring a computer for the kids – so they can watch uh, one of their movies, but that's about it. But otherwise, they're reading their books or they're talking to us or we're playing other little games or something on the airplane. And it's just hard not to get fidgety or like oh, want yeah. to get up, move, of do course. something. Of course. Mm-hmm. Now, the Federal Aviation Administration, they do have rules and they have and they could put a fine of $25,000 for unruly passengers. Uh, but they did not in this case, case, which I'm a little bit surprised about. And they can also prosecute people for... Uh, cri- with criminal charges, if they're really disruptive, um, like they had, like for the people that were uh, fighting because of the guy who was tooting on the airplane. Mm. Um, so it, it's it really comes down to people. They, they say that you're not supposed to interfere with a crew member in the performance of a crew member's duties or interfere with the flight operations. And I would think that screaming maybe is on the borderline, but I, I mean, I don't think it's on the borderline. I think that's definitely far over the line. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the parents because yep. they didn't teach the kid how to behave in that type of a situation. Um, well, sometimes uh, kids are just going to scream too. Yeah, eight hours right. straight seems excessive, but it is. you know, it happens with kids. But and I hope that trip was some kind of a business trip and not a vacation trip, because mm-hmm. that was a then that was a we want to go here and why you're taking a four, five, six year old kid to Germany. Unless you're visiting family or something and they have to go. Well, or... I wonder if they were going in the opposite direction, if they were visiting New Jersey oh, that... and then flying back to Germany. <laughs> but like you said, the kid was just really torqued off that he had to go visit New Jersey. Ugh. There you go. Uh, it, it's, it's probably, I have a bad joke about New Jersey in that vein. Go on. Uh, I don't, can I t- tell it on the podcast? I don't know. Can you? I don't know if you can tell that one on the podcast. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> and I also have this other list uh, of the top most annoying, the top 10 of most annoying things when a family goes on a road trip, driving road trip. Number one is traffic jams. Almost half say that's their top concern. Mm-hmm. And number two is kids getting bored. Yep. Yep. Both and I think the- that was the case on this airplane, too. But that's also a most annoying thing for ki- for people on a road trip. Uh, also on the road trip, number three would be complaining about needing to go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's its own category. Beyond having children is also the bathroom yes. complaints. Number four, trying to fit everything in the car. Well, do you have an issue with this? No, I I pack well and I pack smart. Okay. Uh, five, complaining about being hungry. Again, packing some snacks always keeps that from being a problem. Who travels without snacks? Uh, everybody has snacks. Uh, number six, kids disagreeing and arguing. Again, it depends on your kids. My kids are maybe the anomaly, and they like each other uh, for now. Uh, be, number seven, being late for family occasions. I hate being late. We are always late. I think that a lot of people are just perpetually late, and you, you get used to it, but you also always beat yourself up because you know you could have left 20 minutes earlier and avoided it. My wife is going to be late to her own funeral. 
number eight, parents getting bored. I yes. never really get because I'll have my wife read to me or read something or sometimes you know what I'll do is I'll bring my uh, my my phone where I'll have the uh, podcast already loaded up on yep. it and then I'll just have one of the earbuds in the ear so in case she starts talking to me I'm ready to talk to you. I'll hit pause but then I'll I'll listen on the other ear. Uh, number nine, cars breaking down or having other mechanical problems. Has that ever happened to you on a road trip? Well, yeah, the epic one was I had the 75 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. I was driving up to Blacksburg, Virginia, home of Virginia Tech University, to yep. fr see my friend Greg Deal, who was going up to Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Go, yeah, and uh, it was a beautiful campus. So I'm maybe, I don't know, two hours or so away from, from up there, and the the fan, the, the, the housing, I guess the connection that holds the fan, because it's an old car, you have the grill you have the radiator and then you have this big fan that's helping to blow air through the radiator and through the engine to keep it cool well that uh mounting broke and so the fan fell was spinning and pretty much ground up the entire radiator okay so i'm not stranded good. not good it was horrible it was really not good so i pull over to the side and it was another what maybe at least 20 minutes down to the next town and a trucker stopped picked me up and took me down to the next town, and then I had a tow truck pull the car, and it was a I don't know, maybe it was twelve hundred dollars, something crazy. It was like a thousand dollars, something like crazy to get it fixed at that point. It's a nightmare. And I had to get it fixed. I mean, the, the, I was up in West Virginia, and at the time I was living in Atlanta, so yeah. I had to get it fixed. <laughs> I mean, Can't I had to get it, it fixed. Yeah. So there, that that was that was my worst car breakdown story. Gotcha. But I did get to ride in a semi, which was fun. Uh, and number 10, the most, the 10 of the top 10 most annoying things in a family road trip, taking over the radio. Who gets control over the radio? Well, I mean, for you, it's the kids, right? Well, yes. That is it's true. <laughs> it's not much of a fight in your household. No, it's it's the Pandora uh, Disney channels. Great. You listen to all those. Or they might be watching, a, uh, let's say if they're watching something let's say so occasionally we'll let them watch a, a little video or something on the phone or because uh, i have a sling box hooked yep. up at home uh and, and of course the phone is hooked up to the bluetooth in the car so i'm hearing their show in the bluetooth in the car that's and then, too far and then <laughs> that is too far i don't need to listen to your youtube videos so there you go there you have it we had a we had a van with a vhs tape player installed into it and so in our car it was just a never-ending rotation of the mighty ducks movies all three of them <laughs> on vhs there you have it well it's another stellar edition of the podcast we have just another uh couple of weeks of february if that maybe another week of february right and then we're done it, yeah oh man i hate february and then we're on to march and on to spring and we're marching on marching on not only with life but also with this podcast amen Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm tropical climate advocate Joseph Peters. <laughs> Be safe and as always, happy motoring.